Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. It's uh, Trey. I'm with that is, I mean, it's a perfect topic for today because I figured with the um, with the all that happened in Houston and the hurricane and those things that that to talk about why uh, bad things happen to good people and what's the point of suffering and and all, and all that because there's so many that are are going through so many difficult times. Um, and Steph and I were ready to go. It's 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 ironic. Uh, Sad, fitting. I don't know what it is. Instructive, maybe. But unfortunately, Steph's uh, Steph woke up sick today. Even though we had kind of talked through it. Um, so anyway, um, that's what we're going to get well soon, Stephanie. Uh, yeah, hopefully she's listening. I don't know, but uh, but anyway, she um, she'll be back. She's making time to do this, and I'm excited for that, and and was excited for today. But anyway, maybe maybe it's just because I picked the topic and. and <laughs> It's kind of fitting. But anyway, before we start uh, on that, we're going to start with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth take its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and for all the families of the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pope St. John Paul II, pray pray for for us. us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray Pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Yeah, you know we we've always talked about on this show uh, and kind of going back to De- Deuteronomy six about the fact that you know as you walk along as things happen, parents we should have our eyes open to what's going on around us because oftentimes those are the things that God may be asking us to address for ourselves and to even teach to our kids. And um, as much as it, as the hur- as Hurricane Harvey impacted so many people that I know, way more than any other hurricane that I recall in terms of just the breadth of people in Victoria that I'm good friends with and people in Houston, um, kind of all over the place. It's just so mm-hmm. massive, it, and it's been so much on the air. I think this is a time for us as parents when and how appropriate to at least be um, have the tools to hopefully help address or begin to address questions that may be coming up in their own mind, but also in the mind of their children. Now, of course, you know, what we're going to be talking about here, there are going to be kind of gradations because you're not going to talk to your, to your five-year-old who might be just utterly petrified by what's going on and seeing that. Maybe they won't. Maybe they think that's cool. They got water in their, in their and they can ride their boat. They're chasing fish in their living room. But, but depending on the child and on the circumstance, but I, but I wanted to go kind of go through a Catholic Christian way of looking at why bad things happen to good people, um, why suffering is part of our existence here. And um, hopefully, that's, hopefully that's helpful and um, and then we'll talk about a few things just in terms of application about how how you how you can teach that going on because it, because in reality the time to talk about it while this presents it is usually not within the context of living through it. It's something that should be taught 
in advance so that you can kind of point back to, hey, I've taught, I've, we've talked about this before. You know why that is? Is because it's hard, particularly if you're not going through it, to go in and talk to people about these things in the midst of their suffering. Um, yeah. It, it's not, it's, it may not even be appropriate to do that. Yeah. Um, so we've got to look at this as if we haven't gone through the trial that, that so many are going through in, in Houston and Victoria and Rockport and all over the, the state of Texas and looks like hopefully we'll pray against it happening in Florida. Uh, we've all been through those trials. I know you Thaddeus and Robin have, have been through <laughs> some yep. bad ones and, yep. and certainly when this was happening, I was praying for y'all and, and, uh, and, and that, but um, we knew it. We knew it. Yeah. So, can I um, start us on a little sure. lighter note before yeah, we get into the heavier yeah. stuff? Um, talking about suffering and living through suffering and why do why do bad things happen to, to good people? Um, last night we had a couple focus missionaries over for oh, wow. uh, for dinner. How awesome! Two young guys and we had a really nice time, and we finished up the evening saying night prayer together as a family, and they oh, wow. they stuck around for that. So we're sitting around in our living room and. Um, listeners who don't know, uh, my wife and I have four children ranging in ages from nine to one years old. And we're praying and the folks missionaries are there and the two, the two young guys. And, um, the one year old is just, he's learning how to walk and he's getting pretty adept at walking and he enjoys walking around. Yeah. You can't make him stop really. (laughs) So he's just walking around the living room while we're trying to pray. And, Somewhere in the middle, maybe after the hymn of night prayer that you see, the one-year-old just blew out his diaper. I mean, <laughs> the largest number two you got all of that one, in a man. long time. Right. And he's walking around just happy as can be, <laughs> and it stunk to high heaven, brother. I mean, uh, oh, it was so bad. And he would come over by where? My wife and I are sitting, <laughs> and he'd stop and look up at you and smile like I'm such big stuff because I'm walking. <laughs> Things so bad, and we we suffered through it. We suffered through, it and we finished that night prayer. And I took him right upstairs and changed that diaper, and it was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> well, so when you propose that topic today for the show, which is such a, such a good one to talk about, and you have to revisit this topic all the time because. If you're not suffering, someone in, in exactly someone else is, and 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 I think the time to prepare for it, at least in in mind, is to be able to use circumstances that people go through, the kids go through, that are not you know, that, that not, I'm not I can't say not real sufferings they are, but but certainly not catastrophic. Yeah. You know, typically the sufferings mm-hmm. can be. I got too much homework, or yeah. <laughs> I'd like to go here, but I can't. Because but in that in that little story what's there is there's a little truism there of what helped us get through that suffering was we were keeping our eyes and our hearts right and our mouths our voices fixed on Christ we were yeah. we kept on praying that prayer um and we we did it together and that that probably made that prayer Richer, it's probably made it more memorable. I'm always gonna remember that. That's <laughs> right. something that that's. Um, and I think I think that's beautiful because I think it's important that that is a that is a that is a suffering of sorts. I mean, uh, and and it's those little ones that we often forget to offer up. It's those little ones that we often forget to thank. And so God gift gave you a grace there to have that happen in the middle of of. Something I think it also points to the fact this is kind of a little off topic. It, the God, like parents do, still love us when we are a stinky mess. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, but but I think all those things together kind of help us realize that the um, that it's the little stuff that prepares us for the big stuff. Right. And I was proud of the older kids that none of the older kids said, "Oh, yeah. oh gosh, come on, we got to go change him or get him out of here." We just all kept on doing what we were supposed to be doing, what we had sat down to do. Yeah, 
I'm not sure that would work that way at my house. <laughs> and it might have not worked that way. If we hadn't had the company there, it might have not worked that way either. But. but it doesn't matter because it did work out that way. And and all of that is grace. If if anything, we've tried on this show to say that it's it's in those little everyday circumstances, often the ones that aren't exactly as you planned it because mm-hmm. so much of life isn't as you plan, mm-hmm. that God makes himself present and he reveals something about himself to us mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of those things. Mm-hmm. And I think often we've, we miss him. Um, yeah. It doesn't sound like that happened with y'all, and that's good. Maybe because you were in the middle of, not maybe, it sounds like he, he had that happen right in the middle of, of prayer time. And uh, <laughs> it and, also There was also this sense of, at least in me, I haven't really had a chance to talk too much with Robin about it yet, but there was also this feeling in me of, of course it would happen while we're trying to do right. night we sit down, we're going to, you know, everything, we're going to do this order, great thing. Right. And we're going to show off in front. Of, we're going to get these, these two young college missionaries that, you know, we pray night prayer together as a family or we try to. Yeah. And of course, the, of course this would happen. Yeah. So it was, it was this kind of this humbling thing as, as well, this humbling aspect. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, all so things. much that we do. I just encourage everybody out yeah. there to be reminded, and it sounds like you were reminded even in the midst of it, and 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 as you reflect upon it, yeah, um, and and as you reflect with Robin, I'm sure other things will come out as well. I think it's that's the beauty. That's the really honestly the mystery of parenthood. It is it, mystery in terms of an un, a revealing of something that is revealed in the visible, but or. Uh, smellable, I don't know, <laughs> and visible, I guess, and and the 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 invisible that's revealed in and through it, right? Christ's presence. I mean, all of those things. And as you chew on it more, I, I encourage all of you to chew on those type of things. It's uh, a new riff on one of your favorite adages: to be Catholic is to be smellable, right? <laughs> Punchable, smellable, stinkable. I guess. I mean, you name it. Uh, that's it. It's to be human. I mean, and and so that that actually is a nice segue into what we're talking about because, and there and there's a lot of things that had kind of come up in my mind as I was going through this. But I've tried to do this with the kids as we go through. But this will be, you know, I'd like anybody to call with any questions or any comments with regard to it. But the center of our faith <laughs> is Jesus Christ. The center of our faith is Jesus Christ. In particular, on that Paschal and that Paschal mystery of what happened on the cross and what happens after the cross, but the crucifixion is central to us as Christians, and it is our salvation, but it is also a revelation of what we can expect. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so, if we look at his life, we know that. He must have, I mean, he went to the wedding feast in Cana and, and, and obviously must have had a good time and laughed with friends and, and, and had a glass of wine and made another several hundred gallons of wine <laughs> or whatever it was. I mean, so he had good times and he had time with his friends. He had hard, I'm sure, just working at home growing up, probably experienced the death of, of his foster father, you know, St. Joseph. So he, he went through some sufferings there, but really the center is the Paschal mystery on the cross. And as Christians, we've got to remember that that points us to the truths we're going to talk about today. First of all, that suffering is just a reality. I mean, things happen that we don't want, that we don't expect and that when they do happen, they hurt really bad, and there's lots of questions as a result of that. So that'll kind of be the central point of this, the cross, the crucifix, and what Jesus has done, which is, again, why as Catholics, as Christians, we should have Christ on the cross. We, we should, not that there's anything wrong with a, a cross without him. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't have Jesus on the cross so that we can be reminded of what he went through for us. So first question is why does, why do bad things happen? I mean, why, why do they happen? And, and the simple answer um, is because we, we messed it up. I mean, because 
we live in a fallen world and a fallen world. If you just read, like if you go back and just pick up Genesis and go to the fall of man and, and you see what happens, you know, as a result of the fall, God says to the woman, I will greatly multiply your pain and childbearing to the man. He says, um, let's see, you know, thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth, you know, working, you know, working in the, on the farm, thorns and thistles it'll bring forth and you shall eat the plants of the field. But you're going to, as you pick the plants of the field, you're going to get thorns in your hand. It, so it, everything about it is a fallen world. So things aren't, that's the, that's the simple answer. It really doesn't address all the issues here, but that is what we have to remember. We, we, we as a human race separated ourselves from God. But the good news is he became one of us. Um, he became one of us, lived, suffered, died, was buried, experienced everything that we did short of sin, and then rose from the dead and has invited each one of us um, to participate in that. So anyway, the fall, we're in a fallen world. And that's it. Now, the, the, the next thing this I think is so important to remember is God never wills from the standpoint of he points to it and says, I will that that happens an evil. It's not part of his nature to positively will. Th- that, that's so important for us to remember. Evil is not like Disney would portray. And it's important to, to point that out, particularly as they get older. It's not good versus evil in the sense that it's two equally bad, I mean, one really good hero and one really bad bad guy that are on equal footing. That is not what we have here. What we have here is God in his providence is fully in control of everything. He is fully in control and nothing happens without him allowing it or willing it. Really important to remember, evil is effectively a privation. It's a lack it's a lack of a good that's intended. That if we weren't living in a fallen world, this good would occur. So it's important to remember that evil. So what happened there that's evil, the, the hurricane that came or the thorn that gets in your hand as you pick a thing or the, or the poop that <laughs> may come at an inopportune time, whatever it may be, all of those things are um, something that, is allowed now. I, I, I may be stretching it on the poop thing because that's that's kind of the way. But the idea is is that we need to remember that it probably wouldn't have stunk had we not been in a fallen world. Nothing that would have been bad. So the the things that happen um, are that. And so it's really important for us to remember. And this is where, like, I think, in atheists, we'll we'll get into you know, well, if God's really all powerful and He's all loving then how can bad things happen to good people? I mean, that's, that's a, that is a pretty normal response. It is very important, I think, for us to remember that to be able to answer this question, there are the things that he wills positively. I will that you love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. I will that you do the good. I will the good for you. But the the evil is, is he permits things to happen. He permits them to happen. And this is what St. Augustine says, says something that I think is so important to remember. If God permits an evil, if God allows an evil, it is always that a greater good may come of it. So again, this is back. God's in control. He permits an evil in order that a greater good may come. How do we know that? Well, if we go back to the cross, we know right there, the greatest single evil perpetrated on any human was the crucifixion because he deserved none of it, zero of it. And he was God. So we killed Jesus, who is God. We totally went away. But but from that, something, the salvation of all of us, the salvation of everyone becomes possible because of that. So the greatest good possible, which is the salvation of not just me and Thaddeus, but 
the opportunity for salvation of all mankind comes as a result of the single greatest evil. So the single greatest good that could not be gained by any of us, separate from what Jesus did, is opened up by the single greatest evil that's allowed. In fact, the, crucif- the crucifixion, and this is important, is really a part of God's permissive will. Uh, he allowed it to happen. He, he allowed it to happen because of the fall, because of the fall. He allowed it to happen because it was necessary, but it's not a God, as some people would say, beaten his son because, because he needs to beat a son out of justice only. It, that, that's, that's not it. He, in and through the evil that's perpetrated because they didn't like what he was saying, they didn't like who he was, they didn't like the way he was acting or calling them on the thing, and so he, they, had them, they had him killed. He permitted that. And then God can bring good out of it. That was a, that's part of his permissive will. Did you have anything? Uh, the crucifixion, though, strikes me as an example of, that's a union, actually, of his permissive and his What's well, a perfection? Will. It's a permissive. Uh, yeah, it's the, the, the ideal will, gives, the positive will. Yeah, yeah right. So, God, so there's, that's what, they're uh, all perspective. And that's where the cross Again, there's a reason that the cross was picked. It's the intersection of everything, because there is mercy and there is justice, right? There is his permissive will and his active will, because Jesus says, thy will be done. And sometimes, and we too can say that, but, the, but he didn't go in and put it in the heart of Judas or, or put it in, in the heart of the, of the Roman soldiers. He didn't will them to do it. He allowed them to do it. And part of his active will is saying that's what has to happen in order for what needs to be gained to happen. So God's completely in control. There's no place more that he's in control than in that cross when he seems to be completely out of control. Right. But as Pope John Paul II points out in his apostolic letter, Salvifici Dolores, he says God also gives his son. Right. For the life of the world on the cross, right? So he's, it's this gift of salvific love, right? Actively, right. yeah, that's the active gift willingly. of one's right? And and see that sometimes that's that's sometimes the willing. So I guess there's probably two aspects to that. The willingly giving yourself to that is an active will. I'll allow the, but but the what what happens is I'm going to give it. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, he said I'm giving you him. I'm giving you him for your salvation. Right. Hypothetically, it could have happened a lot of other ways. We responded in a negative way, and God still can use that negative mm-hmm. to bring out a positive, and he can allow it even though it's not really – I'm giving him to you. Treat him as you wish. Well, we're going to kill him, thank you, and send right. him back to you. Right. Well, that's fine if that's <laughs> – I'm still giving you, and I can still work it all. The, the verse that comes to mind is Romans 8, 28, which I think everyone should know. Um, I'll, I'll read it instead of me butchering it. But Romans 8, 28, is, it's always important to remember that, let's see, we know that in everything God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. God is able to work all things together for good. And on the cross, he's able to work even people who are designing, <laughs> desiring evil. Um, he's able to work that all together. He's all powerful. Even, well, maybe even, maybe most importantly, when he seems to be least powerful. When he seems to be, because we as humans think, well, if I'm all powerful, then I'm going to come off. That's what the Pharisees and people that were spitting on Jesus came. If, if you are God then come down off and we'll believe you. Well, that would be responding like a human, <laughs> not the way God, not the way God does it. So important to remember there's permissive will and there's positive, active, or ideal will, what he, what he ideally would want. Um, so in this case, Harvey would have been a permissive will. So what, what good can come of it? I think it's really important for us to remember. I don't know if you've noticed this. On, on everyone, 
I had a professor tell me this, and it's always anytime something bad happens, individually, on a large scale, whatever, that causes suffering, it is always a call to conversion for everyone involved. It's always a call to change. I always find it interesting. When my mom got diagnosed with cancer and when, when she died, maybe some of y'all out there have experienced this, perspective changes. All of a sudden, things that really bothered me, things that I really worried about, things that I really um, thought were big deals became very small deals, maybe even non-existent. What you're seeing now, in the midst of all this division, can you not see? I mean, you see black people and white people and Hispanic people, and they're all helping each other. There's no, there's no color there. People are helping each other. They're, they're, they're reaching out beyond their comfort zone. People from here and from other places, from Louisiana, the Cajun Navy, are going, they're being called to go serve other people, and they're answering that call out of concern for the other person. Now, it would be interesting if you could go back and rewind, and if you were um, omniscient, <laughs> to see, I wonder what some of those people might have been doing or upset about, you know, a month ago. Would you have seen them actually coming together? Would there have been anything that's drawing um, people together in service and out of love and concern for others and the suffering that they're going through? I, I think it's kind of to stand back. You can look at this situation and say, I even I mean, heard it on secular news about people saying, think of all the division, all the division that was going on, all the negativity that was going on. In fact, a lot of people actually going like, going at the media that has been so divisive from within the media because of this saying, look, this shows you what's real. This shows you what really matters. Right. And you see people coming off, you know, I remember there was one I saw on YouTube of a of a of a man coming out with his son and they're asking him, he's like, praise God, I've lost everything. I mean, everything's gone. My house is gone. My TV's gone. My couches are gone. But praise God, my, 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 my kid is with me. I'm safe. You know, and who, <laughs> who, would, think, who, would, who would think that? That's, I'm, I'm not saying God would not will the evil, but he may allow it for conversion. For I mean, maybe that person had a conversion realizing, hey, I could have lost my kid, all that other stuff I have. I don't know anything about that person, so it's not fair for me to judge. But maybe me listening to him and say, well, how would I feel if everything that I had was gone? So, again, I think the idea has to be that if he allows it, he's always calling for us to convert, to begin to look at ourselves and look at what life is and what is really important and that it's our family and the humans we come in contact with that are way more important than the stuff that we have or the color of our skin or anything like that. And unfortunately, I know in my own life, big events like my mom getting cancer and, and dying as a result of it were the moments that I recall actually having a very focused view of what's really important. You know, my family, what's really important, my mother, the time I have with her. It's not the football game or whatever, all the stuff that can be so, um, I don't know, taking on of your, all your time or your mind is on, on these things, and then all of a sudden you realize, well, that's nothing compared to this, and we lose perspective. Yeah, and I think you, um, you also see that in the history of the Israelite people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The wandering in the desert. Drew them back to God. Yes. The suffering and slavery in Egypt made them ready for his salvation. Right. His freeing them from slavery. The Babylonian exile called them back to greater um, adherence to his law. The occupation by the Greeks led to the Maccabean revolt and a renewal of their right. faith. Um, so those are all. I mean, it's part of work in in the biblical story too. It's all. It's from the very beginning. It it is sin. 
<laughs> sin causes a, a breach. We go back. God still loves us, still comes after us. But sometimes he lets us have what we have, even if he would say, I, I don't. I mean, that's they say that's what the flood is kind of symbolic of. You know, believe it happened. I'm not saying it's symbolic like it just a story, but well, what there's I'm multiple saying is, levels you, you read. Right. You, that, you, yeah. But, but, but that, Hey, you don't want any limits. You want to be able to build a tower to me. You know, I'll show you what, when there's no limits, you know, I'll, I'll allow you to have no limits. If there's no limits to the, <laughs> to the sea, bad things happen, you know? And so sometimes it, it, it points us to the fact that we want God in our life but sometimes it takes an event to point us in the right direction, to get our attention, so to speak. And really, that's honestly, that's really the way as a parent that we should discipline our children. It should be the focus. The, the, the discipline of our children should never be, I'm just going to inflict pain to inflict pain. It, it should be, I'm calling you to conversion, and what I have is the meant to get your attention so that you will turn around and embrace what I'm telling you is best for you. We've got to couple those things together because if a child thinks that it's just simply justice for justice sake, I'm just going to make you experience pain because you've made me experience pain, that's not all of it. The rest of the story is... I'm doing this to get you to turn around, to wake you up, to get your attention so that you begin to focus on what's real, what's important. And why am I doing that as a parent? Because I care about you so much that I'm not going to let you go down the path of doing the wrong thing. And I, sometimes I have to get your attention. Well, God's the perfect father. And so he gets our attentions through all these things that happen. Um, I found that during the most trying times of my life, interestingly enough, <laughs> I pray more. I mean, I'm not saying that's the way it should be, but I've, I've noticed that I've found myself on my knees way more times when bad things were happening than when everything is as you like. Do you have something there? Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to um, add that when we're discussing an event like a hurricane, for instance, the catechism and the natural law tradition distinguishes between moral evil committed by human beings, right. and this is an example of physical evil or right. natural evil. Right. And the catechism in 310 says this, but why did God not create a world so perfect that no evil could exist in it? With infinite wisdom and goodness, God freely willed to create a world in a state of journeying toward its ultimate perfection. In God's plan, this process of becoming involves the appearance of certain beings and the disappearance of others, so life and death. The existence of the more perfect alongside the less perfect, both constructive and destructive forces of nature. With physical good, there exists also physical evil as long as creation has not reached perfection. So so it's a it's an aspect of the created world that is a result of it not being perfect, perfect. but on its way to to perfection. It's kind of it's it's almost as I hear that those those tensions it's it's almost like you know like in Psalm 23, you know the the Lord using his staff to to direct well i mean I, I imagine if you've ever seen i haven't seen too many but they'll 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 hit them is <laughs> they're going down the road like okay if i go over here i'm going to get it or if you've seen a dog that has the little zap you know the mm -hmm. the, the thing inside them and that they cross you know where the it would hurt fence, them the, yeah. the electric fence they they'll you know bzz, you know and then they and they're back that's for for good so that so hey this is all good here but there are limits i think also that that kind of going back and forth between the destructive and the constructive the good the bad it reminds us that we aren't in perfect you know we're not even as much as we think things are going well and even if we weren't the ones that experienced harvey it always reminds us hey we're just you know 30 miles 40 miles from that i mean it could be us just as much as it could have been them mm-hmm and 
and I think that that I think that that points us to we're not we don't even have to experience it necessarily to get a whiff of hey, we're not in heaven yet. This is this is we're we're in a state of going forward. It's not perfect. I think there's another thing is because you know more you always think we can fix moral evil. I mean that's questionable, but we always think we can. There's nothing we can do about a hurricane that's coming other than just be aware that it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a certain amount of helplessness, a sense of helplessness that comes from that. Mm-hmm. So that's a great point, but I do think that that... And you, you also, to just go on that a little bit more, you think about the gas shortage, the temporary gas shortage that was right. here and just in this right part of Texas as a result of the hurricane and how that disrupted some people's lives or weekends, right. Labor Day weekends a little bit, just a little bit of disruption, but it was something that was completely out of your control, not really expected. And it reminds you, what it reminded me is, man, we are on the precipice really more than we realize. Right. It, life is way more fragile than we think. And mm-hmm. we get very comfortable, very kind of everything's going to be great. I got my retirement plan over here. I got, you know, my house. And, and just like that, it, it can be gone. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that, that, that there are things that are completely out of our control that could do it. The good news is we don't live in fear because the cross is there. Even if the cross happens, even if that happens, we have to go back to what the cross tells us. God only allows an evil in order that a greater good may come. That's part of our faith. So why? (laughs) We we can't live in fear. I mean, Jesus always says, do not be afraid. Um, Anyway. So I think those are great ones. One of the one of the other points I think is it's a little bit of irony here, but I think it's important to point out is um, a lot of people, and there was actually the professor up in New York that got fired over saying mm-hmm. it was bad karma for you know Texas is getting what it deserves because it voted Republican. Mm-hmm. But but I have heard Christians you know say things that things came out during Katrina that you know it's Sin City and. Katrina is clean, so that's God, you know, wrath wiping out. Again, we know God, only good things come from God, only holy things come from God, but sometimes he allows those things. We've got to remember that that's it. There are people in the Christian faith who will preach the prosperity gospel. If you do everything right, then only good stuff's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise if you do that. And I love this is this is one of the stories that I that I think I was going to um, want to point out. Go to Luke chapter 13 and listen to what Jesus says. He said there were some. This is Saint Luke chapter 13, one through five. There were some present at that very time who told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered like this? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. He's saying what we just talked about here. Those people, you can't point to those people and say, "Oh, see, they're the sinners. They're getting what they deserve." Instead, he's going, "You need to repent because you recognize that they're just like you. You just—it's not because you were loved more or lived a more perfect life. It's that's the human experience. You need to turn around. This is meant to get your attention. Repent." Uh, there was a priest that that got they had stopped and and I, I, I always wondered what the comments were, but he was he got stuck in the flood and and I happened to just have it on. He drove up in a kayak. He was a French guy. Some of y'all may have seen it on YouTube, but but he but one of the things he said, which I, I don't know if anybody ever caught it, but he said, you know, Lord, we just we all need to just repent and ask the Lord to let this go, you know, so that we can get started with cleaning things up and. I, no, nobody made a comment. I haven't seen any comments, but if you go back and look at that, he did. He said, 
We need to repent. And I think some may take offense at that, but in, in fact, that's exactly it. What is repentance? Repentance is turning around. It's conversion. It's meant to get your attention for your sake. Not, not to punish somebody, but to get the attention of those who are living it and those who are close to it mm-hmm. and those who are far from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jesus even says that. It's, you're, you're not any better because it didn't happen. You need to repent. And the other side of that coin is he says elsewhere, um, you know, the Father's reign falls on the just and the and unjust just. alike. Right, exactly, and and he and he talks about the weeds and the the, the his enemy come and and I'm not gonna go pull out the bad people. We're just gonna wait till the harvest and we'll separate them after that. So I think there's dangers. I, I uh, ironic that that uh, Joel Osteen and his was was so under attack because he never he didn't open up his church in time for the for the people, but he eventually did. You know. That's one of those. I mean, how do you explain to people who lost everything when you've? I mean, I I don't. I'd like to hear what he says. How do you explain to people who've lost everything? Because the Catholic Church has got the Christian Church. The the fullness of it has got the answer. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Good things happen to bad people. It doesn't mean that God's not in charge. <laughs> it means that we're meant to do that. And I think that's important to go. On to the next one. That was the prosperity gospel, health, wealth, and wisdom side that I think needs to be brought out and can be pointed out. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. That doesn't mean God's not in charge, and we should never always base where we are in life on what is our status. Do we have a lot of money or no? And like you said at the top of the show, the worst thing happened to the best man. Right. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, if it can happen to him and we're meant to be, and he's the way, the truth, and the life, and we do it, that gets us to point four, segue, redemptive suffering. We are called, you know, over and over again. I mean, if you go to, we'll just start at Colossians 1.24, go to Colossians 1.24, and, you know, he says something strange, St. Paul does. He says, I rejoice now, therefore... Let me get it in front of me. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. I rejoice (laughs) in my sufferings, for I make up what is lacking in the the sufferings of Christ or in in Christ's afflictions. There is something that God invites us to which Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Those who will save their life will lose it, yet those who will lose their life for my sake will save it. There's something about that helpless surrender to say, God, you are in control. I'm not. That in our weakness, he's made strong. St. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 9, I believe, when he talks, he talks about that, in my weakness, God's power is made perfect. Um, it's, all, it's all of that, but I rejoice in my sufferings. James says, count it all joys when we go through various trials. There's this Catholic sense of there's something we're participating in that is meaningful, that is meant as part of God's plan for us, that we can somehow unite our sufferings with Christ's sufferings on the cross that we can take our poops to, to our house under, (laughs) to our houses under our houses underwater. And we've lost everything to whatever it is. And we can offer that not by ourselves, but in union with the perfect offering of Christ on the cross. We have to, as Christians believed it, count it all joy. I rejoice in my sufferings. I mean, St. Paul even goes as far as to say, if you go to Philippians, I mean, he, he, he has some things that are just, uh, let's see. 
He said, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuge in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my, my own based on the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He's tying suffering and afflictions to life on this planet and that that's what actually helps us have a chance at the resurrection. Not of his own strength, but because of his union with Christ and what Christ accomplished on the cross. We have got to not be afraid to talk about suffering with our kids, to not be able to be afraid to address the fact that we if we don't seek it out, but if it comes our way, particularly when we don't have anything to say about it and it comes our way, God is asking you to look at the cross, Christ on it, and to offer yourself together with him and allow him to use your sufferings for the sake of his church. That is a lost teaching of course it's not a lost teaching but if you go around and talk to most you don't recognize it's muted for sure because nobody likes to talk about that and like you said the the best time to talk about it's not when you're digging somebody out of an earthquake or pulling them out of a thing is hey you know what you can have redemptive suffering here that's probably not the time to do that the time to do it is to teach it as you go along particularly in small things. My mom used to always say, offer it up. And, I, you know, I used to just make me so angry. You offer it up. You know, I mean, I want to offer it up because it's something I did. But, but we have to recapture. Make a morning offering. M- make them understand, make ourselves understand that those little, the little diaper changes, the person who makes you miss the green light because they're not paying attention and you have to sit through another red. I mean, all the little things that come our way are all things. Cause listen, no matter how big or how small by ourselves, nothing has any value towards God. So to say, well, this is not big enough to offer. No offer the smallest things. Right. St. Therese of Lisieux teaches the little way. Let me, let me elaborate on that yep. anecdote a little bit more too. Um, so I, I grabbed him up and went upstairs and, and changed his diaper. And what do we so often forget? Well, I got to lay that little child down on the changing table. Right. And I got to look at his face and yep. sing the ABC song to him like I always do. Right. And laugh with him and play with him and do patty cake after he got his diaper on. And, and I probably spent five or ten minutes playing with him. Right. Well... And what would I happen? might not have been able to, I, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have had that little time with him if things hadn't have unfolded the way that they did. And again, that's just to say we, I think, I think God and his infinite wisdom and the fact that he is omniscient and omnipresent, he, he wants to, he wants to lead us to, although he understands we can't always, but he wants to lead us to, to see things all the way through right. from beginning to end. I think, I think it's beautiful because I think that's exactly what God does, and I think that's why parenthood is so, because what he wants you to do is in the moment that comes, particularly right. in the surprises, love. love, be with them. When they're struggling with homework and you'd rather be doing something else, right. stop and take the time to do it. That's the call. That's God calling you to do it. Right. When a diaper needs to be changed, that's the opportunity to see him calling you, him calling you. Right. Go love this child. Love me right. in this child. That We have got to recapture the sense of the small little sufferings are always a call to turn away from that which we think is important and back towards that which is important. We have to regain the eyes of faith to recognize that we can offer everything, everything to him through Christ, uniting our sufferings with his for the good of the church. And that we do that's a perfect, like everything fits together when we live like that. It all makes sense. That when we see it as a, well, that's really inconvenient, or I can't believe you did that. 
instead of an opportunity, then you can be miserable <laughs> in the midst of the everyday. Well, the last thing I just want to do, we went through most of these. I think it's important and it's good for us to recognize that when bad things happen, it, I think short, it, it helps us regain perspective, right? Perspective meaning we're not in heaven. We are, we are in a fallen world. I think the second thing is, I, you know, this is something we didn't talk about, but oftentimes it strengthens us. It strengthens our faith. It strengthens our ability to recognize, hey, we've been through harder times than this. It strengthens our recognition of the people that Jesus makes himself present to. It, it strengthens our faith. It provides us with perspective, and it reminds us of what's really important. I mean, it... it all of that, from the little things to the biggest of things, it points us back to each other, to Jesus in the other person, in the child for the parent, for the parent, but in the person down in Houston who can't get out of their house except for your boat, except for your opportunity. We have to teach our kids this, and we have to embrace this and recognize that, and we need to do it when we're not in the middle of, of it, but actually during the times that it happened. And we, we just got a text into the show um, that uh, this anonymous texter said, uh, this is also why it's important not to try to spare our children from little failings and little obstacles. Absolutely. No helicopter parenting out there. You got to let them fail and do it for lots of reasons. It it makes them better. You don't let them run play in the street, <laughs> but, but you do let them do things and see how it goes. And we, that's why we as parents have to have to be discerning. But anyway, uh, I know we're down the end. God loves you no matter what. We love you. Steph will be back, God willing. And um, remember, pray, parent with purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you, and he always will. God bless you guys, and um, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.